0: One of the unanticipated and unexpected side effects of the COVID 19 pandemic might be day drinking. We've also seen an increase in clients who maybe were stoned with the advent of legalization of marijuana. This week, we're going to talk about all of that and other craziness on the Veterinary Viewfinder. to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And if you're like most of us, your daily schedule has been disrupted a little bit the past several months. And with this disruption has come the preponderance of people with a lot of time on their hand. And sometimes when people get bored, they turn to substances such as alcohol or pot or you. <laughs> So this week, we're going to talk about what you need to do and how you can handle those situations when the client comes in a little bit, shall we say, loaded. But before we get into that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And Viewfinders, just before we get started, Becky, tell us how this topic came up.
1: Kara Burns and I have done an, an ethical lecture together for several years where we sort of talk about clients behaving badly, right? We talk about, you know, clients who are maybe partaking in substances, are showing up to the clinic under the influence. And, you know, in this ethical talk that we do, it's really just a a group conversation. We really lead a group conversation about what do you do and how do you handle it? And over the years, the conversation around drinking and drugs has really evolved and changed. And then with this, I don't know, I'm not going to throw stones at any glass houses. Day drinking's a thing in COVID, right?
0: Right, right. (laughs) I'm not
1: going to say I haven't been like, it's five o'clock somewhere.
0: Right. And viewfinders, we're going to separate this discussion. We're not talking about someone who comes in necessarily belligerent or even threatening. We're just talking about, dude, I am so wasted, right? I mean, that's a part of the dilemma here.
1: Well, I mean, I think what happens, again, two things. There there are several, this is several fold, right? We have more and more states who are legalizing marijuana. And with that becomes this, I feel like, conversation and ethical situation where, you know, you walk in a room and and you're contact high because of like, they're like pig pen over there, right? Like just (laughs) emitting. And you're thinking like, is this person safe to drive with this patient that I care about? Is this person safe to drive as a client I care about? and i think we don't necessarily worry as much about things like weed or being high maybe but like i know there have been plenty of er shifts i've worked where people have come in just just flat drunk and again right. you walk in it hits you at the door And then they want to leave. They want to drive. Like, this is a very serious situation, really, for our colleagues.
0: Right. And viewfinders, we want to hear from you. Have you, as I've had to do and my staff have had to do over the years, actually called the authorities when you saw someone leaving your clinic obviously inebriated? You know, I've actually tried to stop clients from getting in their car only to be rebuffed. And, you know, have you been in that situation where you had to call 911 as soon as they pulled out of your parking lot?
1: OK, so actually, I think this is where the conversation really starts for us whenever we're doing this lecture is, first of all, we say, how many of you have faced this situation? And over the years, more and more and more hands are just shooting up. Right. And we have these crazy stories about what happens. But then we bring in the conversation of do you call the police? So, so okay. Dr. Ernie, like you just jump straight to like I'm calling the police like I, there is no question. There is no doubt. I don't care if I lose a client. I mean, it sounds to me like your method of dealing with it was very clear cut and you were very comfortable directly confronting these clients. When I have these conversations in, you know, the, the forums of these these lectures, not everybody feels that they should be calling the police.
0: Right. And, and to be clear, I wasn't comfortable with this nor were any of my staff, you know, it's just something that we felt we had a legal and a civil responsibility to do because, you know, let's face it, drunk driving, you know, that's a, that kills thousands of people every year. And, you know, I can tell you that I just never, ever wanted to be any way contributing even inadvertently to that.
1: Well, and, and true, like where you and I live is a smaller area of North Carolina, right? And so when I think about it, I'm thinking like, well, my husband's out there driving on those roads. Right, Statistically, right. you're going to run into somebody I know. Um, and that's, it, it's terrifying. And there's a pet in the car. And I care about you as a client. But a lot of people are more afraid they're going to lose the client.
0: Yeah. And I did. I mean, without a doubt, I lost clients over that exact situation. They would call back and since later, you know, or they would hear through the grapevine, you know, that we were upset about it or whatever. And, you know, Becky, I was always comfortable with that as well. It was like, that's, I mean, if that's the price I have to pay to try to protect society and my future children or my wife, I'm willing to pay that price.
1: Well, so it turns out that in multiple states, it's actually a law that if you have reason to believe that a person is um, not safe enough to be OK on their own, you actually are legally obligated to intervene there are you know, these laws that say if, if people have been charged because, um, you know, they get dropped off from a party with a friend who they know is drunk and driving, and then that person drives down the road and kills themselves in a car accident, and then the people that were in the car not driving have been charged because they should have made an effort to stop that person from driving the vehicle. And so this brings into play, in my opinion, the importance of actually knowing the laws in your state. Knowing how to deal with it, because if you choose to turn your head at it and it turns out that they find out that client left, you are a medical doctor. Like maybe you're not trained to recognize somebody who's, you know, or say, hey, I'm not trained in that. They're going to come back and say, you're a doctor. You're going to tell me you didn't know they were drunk and you could actually be legally charged. So I think first of all, just knowing the laws in your state is really important because you could get in trouble.
0: Yeah. And you know, I remember years ago, actually sharing this in lectures, kind of like you guys. And, you know, people would come up to me and go, oh, I just don't feel comfortable with that. And right. I would usually spin it back and say, let's say a dog comes in that has cigarette burns all over its back. Right. Would yeah. you not feel compelled to report that? I mean, you know, you may not actually be certified in spotting domestic abuse, but of course you would. And so right. yeah, I think it's one of those issues where we as a profession need to, and this is the first tip for today, I think, is you need to have some type of guidance in your employee manuals on how to handle this. So I think for us, at least, there's a very clear thing. If someone is under the influence of, you know, intoxicating substances that they needed to tell the, the manager, right? Because obviously we didn't want every employee feeling like they were the ones that had to pick up the phone. But we did want to be alerted that, hey, there's a potential problem here.
1: Well, and, you know, we always bring it back to SOPs, right? Like we say, if you have an SOP in your practice, then you don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to think about it in the moment. You know how to respond. But it's a very important thing to have in place and make sure everybody knows exactly what that's going to look like. Are you going to give the client the opportunity to call a taxi? Are you right. going to offer to board the pet in if they refuse you know, if they're going to I mean, figuring out and including your team and probably the local police or a lawyer so you really know Just what to do here is probably a great idea. But if you have a procedure in place then no one has to guess, no one has to wonder. And then, you know, if the manager's out to lunch, what do we do? doesn't have to happen.
0: Yeah. and And I'll tell you, we, you know, these things also end very well. I'll never forget years ago, lovely, uh, a couple of ladies who came in and they came in to pick up their dog. They had dropped it off in the morning to go play golf. Now where Becky and I live is on the coast of North Carolina. Golfing is a big deal as our retirement communities. So here are two lovely ladies. They come in, they've been out playing a round of golf. And I'm guessing after the round of golf, they had a couple of cocktails. And so they came in just kind of bubbling, if you will. And, you know, we were concerned because they were not just bubbling, but they were probably also wobbling around <laughs> and so I will never forget uh, our office manager at the time, you know, she went out there and just super casually says, ladies, you know, listen, you guys have been having a great morning. It looks like, uh, is there anything, can I, you know, And we knew that they lived fairly close by, you know, like 10 minutes driver. So she was like, is there somebody we could call to maybe help you home or, you know, and she actually volunteered to take those lovely ladies home. Yeah. We had another staff member follow them. And you know what? They sent us the loveliest card later because they apologized for it. Right. So you can also be the hero in these stories don't yes. think that everyone ends in a disaster and loss of clients in this particular situation they were actually appreciative and probably a bit embarrassed but hey we we helped them out i think
1: well yeah, probably especially if they didn't get a dui i mean like <laughs> right, right. or kill themselves or somebody else right. i mean like it seems so unrealistic until it actually happens right but you know i want to say too like this happens fast like I could go to my hair salon and have three glasses of wine while I'm getting my hair done. I can go to the nail salon and have a glass of wine while I'm getting my nails done. I mean, more and more alcohol is a part of our society everywhere we go. And and again, we're in COVID life, right? So people are like, yeah, why not start the morning with a mimosa? I have literally nothing to do all day. And then a pet emergency happens. Now, I've also worked plenty of emergency shifts where a taxi pulls up because whoever is is transporting the pet is not in any, you know, position to do that either. There's a lot of different ways to deal with it. Again, I, I, I lean back to that SOP and having conversations with your staff.
0: Okay. So now I'd like to spin this in a slightly different direction that I've personally encountered. And I'm sure many of you viewfinders have as well. And it works like this. They weren't driving. They were driven or as Becky just said, they took a taxi to your place, whatever. But they're obviously under the influence. And now here's the moral ethical dilemma. Should they be making decisions that are significant regarding their pet's health? So I've personally been in a situation where an obviously inebriated client came in with their dog. They were not driving and they demanded euthanasia. Okay, this dog didn't need to be euthanized, right? And so, wow. So, viewfinders, let's spin it into that realm where we're not talking about DUI. We're actually talking about making a decision. How do you handle that?
1: I mean, again, I think this is definitely something to consult a a lawyer about. But I think ultimately, when it comes down to a signature, a legal signature, somebody has to be of sound body and mind when they sign. If this was something like emergency treatment... Uh, if it was something I would do without an owner present because a animal was suffering and take the responsibility of it later, then I feel like move forward. For me, if it is clearly an animal that doesn't need to be euthanized, I, I'm not go- I'm literally not going to do it. And if I have to call the police to kind of navigate the situation, I won't hesitate. And I think that's an area that a lot of clinics, um, I think we hesitate to call for help.
0: All right. So I'll tell you the more common scenario that I've personally encountered with inebriated clients, and that is this just do anything. Doc. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah. Right. I mean, and they obviously are not in a right sound mind, as you say, Becky, but you know, they're, they're, they're now just like, yeah. we'll spend anything. And you and I know if you've been in practice as long as I've been, Becky, that those often, <laughs> the worst words a client can utter to me sometimes, are, I don't care what it costs, just do anything. <laughs> I don't care like, what it
1: costs because I'm not paying anyway.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> so again, this is that moral ethical dilemma. The client comes in insistent that you do all of these imaging or all these diagnostic tests or pursue emergency treatment, whatever it is, right? And suddenly now they're racking up a bill of two, three, five thousand $5,000 and you're wondering, okay, later, are they going to come back and say, yo, dude, obviously I was drunk when I signed it, so I'm not paying you, right? I mean, that can happen and it has happened.
1: Sure. So for me, I think that, and again, not a legal advisor, not a lawyer, Uh, completely conjecture here, guys. I personally think you do what you need to do to stabilize a pet. You look at it as though that owner isn't even there. You say, what would I do if this was brought in as a stray? And then you stabilize, you manage pain, and then you would contact the owners or wait to get in contact for the owners for treatment. So for me, I would say, sounds great. We're going to stabilize. We're going to keep them comfortable. We're going to keep them here for tonight, call in the morning, and we can discuss where we go from here. And I would treat it as though the owners weren't even there and just do the ethically correct thing for the pet.
0: You know, and it's interesting because like you, Becky, we have a lot of friends uh, who are in the human healthcare community. So they're human healthcare professionals, either they're nurses or they're physicians or whatever. And this is one of those super stress-inducing, burnout-creating dilemmas that they face on the daily, right? I mean, they yeah. have people coming in who are either dependent on drugs, and so they're seeking drugs. I mean, you all know the stories about the opioid abuse and the links that people will go to score some drugs, right? So imagine all of that, which is much more focused and concentrated on the human side. Well, we're kind of dealing with that same element of burnout because when we have clients that we are concerned about their sobriety and their ability to make decisions on behalf of their that, that just adds more pressure on us. So, I mean, I don't think this is one of those topics that we can just sort of shuttle under the the carpet. I mean, I think, I think this needs a lot more discussion within our organizations. And yet I think it's overlooked.
1: Yeah. And I think you just, again, have to be responsive and say, okay, this is a law that's been introduced in our state, or, okay, this is a problem that we're seeing more and more. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? And and what are our policies around it? And you just stick to them. And again, you get the legal advice um, to do it and, and you give your staff the support that they need no matter what. My biggest pet peeve is just around, you know, clinics and owners and managers who don't make the right decision because they're too afraid of losing a client. And honestly, I, that that way, honestly, I have more Ethical burnout around that than I do the situation a client puts me in.
0: Yeah, that is a really, really good point there. And again, you know, I, I think this is just one of caution. Viewfinders, we really won't. I'd like to hear how you're handling this. I mean, this is, as Becky said, I think the instance and prevalence of this is increasing. Um, Also, you know, in states that have legalized marijuana, which, hey, I'm a supporter of that, so that's not the issue here for me. But I'm just saying, okay, how do we ensure that that client who comes in is actually making the right decision at the right time and later doesn't come back and regret or try to walk it back?
1: not just that, but as we regularly recommend, perhaps get in front of it. And so maybe right. put in your newsletters, put on your Facebook, maybe get out there with the dangers of, you know, it, like Kelsey Beth Carpenter says, you know, we're not calling the cops, but we might give you a lecture about how to store your stash because we don't want to <laughs> see you back for this. So, um, you know, Vet Tech Kelsey says it best. You know, we, your dog ate weed. Right. <laughs> we just want to make them better. But I feel like if we, again, got in front of this and started talking to people, right, people think, oh, nobody dies from weed. Pets can't die from weed. They just get really high. Well, like we know cats, actually, it's very dangerous for cats as opposed to what we see in dogs. And talking about those, and then not to mention, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the emergency room. People come in, they're sure their pet's dying, right, because it looks like they're dying when they're high if you don't know. And then you tell them that they're high and then they just kind of laugh and the treatment is then dismissed and they just want to like AMA their dog home. And he's like, oh, he's just high. He'll be fine in a few hours. Um, So I also feel like the seriousness of these marijuana toxicities is somewhat lost upon people who are casually or recreationally using um and again we no judgment here we're fully supportive it's just a matter of like how can we help our clients get in front of that instead of post treatment explaining to them how dangerous or bad it could it could be and not to mention the entire edibles conversation that happens right. with that right so we're like it, it, the The flour situation is bad, but I'm worried about any dog that comes in that's eaten a pound of brownies, marijuana or not. So, right, right. there's so much conversation and education to be had there. But I feel like we're avoiding it because we're not allowed to talk about pot. We're not allowed to talk about CBD. You know, we're we can't. So we're always behind it.
0: Yep, that's a really good point. Okay, so now we've kind of talked about those two major dilemmas. Uh, the The third thing I want to talk about, and Becky, you hinted at it earlier, and those are sort of the The emergencies that occur during the party. Now, we live at the beach and so it is not uncommon, certainly in my career, Becky, to see the dog who has fallen off the dock because everybody was drunk and not paying attention or they thought it'd be really funny to throw the dog or have them jump into a canal and they're cut on oyster shells, right? So this is like a major thing. They show up, everybody's blitzed out of their mind. You got a dog bleeding all over your lobby. And so, of course, you just treat it. But, you know, here's where I think we also get into this next level And that is, do you view finders like hospitalize that patient overnight? Are we risking putting the dog back into a dangerous situation? Right. Again, forgetting the DUI, assuming that someone has shown up sober. I've been in that dilemma before. And I can tell you, Becky, we sometimes had regret, you know, saying, "Uh oh, it's going right back to the party house.
1: Mm, That's a really good point. (laughs) <laughs> you stumped me a little bit there. Because, again, I mean, like, do you have the right to hold somebody? I I, I think it would right. be different, okay? I think if somebody said, like, the dog fell off the dock or the dog got thrown... You know, I think that that would be a little bit different. If it borderlined in you put the dog in this situation, um, yeah, I think I would I honestly... Again, it's it might be a protocol situation that just says there has to be someone sober to leave with this dog, e- even right. if they're not driving. We need right. somebody sober to make these transactions. And so we're going to ask you to wait until tomorrow to finish this up um, again. Put it in your SOP and do what works for you. What if you're a facility that doesn't have boarding? You know, right. what if you're a facility that can't house the dog overnight? I think you've got to think of these things ahead of time. I've seen a thousand oyster bed dogs. I mean, I've seen, a you know, a hundred propeller dogs. Um, I've never felt like they were at they were put in that situation by the client um in a negligence way that I wouldn't feel okay letting the pet go back with them. so that's a great question. But, you know, I also live in a college town. And when we were in Wilmington, we lived in a college town and, and partying's 24 7. So I'm not right. sure that these pets would ever leave the party house.
0: And, and a lot of times it's legitimate. Like I'll never forget yeah. there was a small dog. They Where we live, uh, viewfinders, a lot of the houses are like on stilts. They're like beach homes. And so they've got like a second floor that's way up in the air. Yeah. And they had a little dog and somebody had put this dog up on a railing, okay, on a second, you know, so this is now 20 feet up or whatever. And, you know, so it's it's a little dog. It's like, oh, look, you cute, cute. And of course, we all know what happens next. Kabloom, kabloom, kabloom. Dog falls two, you know, stories down. Dog was okay. You know, it's one of those blunt trauma. You know, kind of like I was worried about some pneumo or something. But you know, the dog was okay. But that was an easy say, hey, we just need to hospitalize your pet. In fact, I took that dog home with me uh, overnight. But you you get what I'm getting at viewfinders. I think that there's another level of potential responsibility here. And that is what type of environment is that dog going back into immediately. So again, we just want you to think about it so that you can start to formulate a plan so that when these unexpected emergencies happen, at least you kind of have some way to go, you know, and like we, we used to always say, you know, look, Every time a, a football play is executed, they've rehearsed exactly where to go. You go left, you go right, you go down over there, right? But we all know that we can't predict what the other team is going to do. So suddenly the going left and right means, well, it's kind of more right than left or whatever. You have to be adaptive. But if you didn't call the play in the first place, I'm going to tell you what, you have no clue, right? You're just all running around aimlessly and you have zero chance of moving the ball forward. So again, I think there's always value in sort of creating this. Becky, I guess the last thing before we we leave today would just be, I think we need to understand that for the foreseeable future, the compound stress of COVID with disruptions in personal life, which living on top of each other in small confined apartments or whatever. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) This is going to add to stress in people's lives and people are going to cope in different ways. So I think that what we're really trying to say is that during this particular pandemic, it is essential that you get out in front of this, as Becky say. I mean, yeah. if you haven't discussed this with your team, this is a great time to pull everybody around the table and say, hey, guys, you know, what do we do about day drinking clients that come in, right? Just have that <laughs> conversation. Open a
1: bottle <laughs> of wine, sit down with your team <laughs> and talk about
0: it. Because I don't see this as going away, right? I it's mean, not you know, going to go away. Right. No, it's not going to go away. not.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, in addition, I I, and you know how much I hate talk about COVID. So I'm mad we backed me into this corner here. But I'm thinking about like how much harder this is with COVID, right? If our clients are already in the car, their masks are on their face. We're not in a room with them where we can't smell their
0: breath. Right, right.
1: We're not getting that close to them. But This might even make things more complicated or we're more likely to miss something or, you know, they're already in their car. So, um, it adds another level of complication to things when we look at it from that standpoint and what the future will hold. So, um... You know, yeah, a better see, time than ever to get in front of are, it.
0: That's right. Are you seeing more clients come in parking crooked? You know, yeah, right. Maybe, you're going to
1: have to watch how they drive.
0: That's right. That's right. So you see them pull in. You're like, whoa, I think we see who's been having a little good time. Oh, It's house. craziness. It's crazy.
1: It's an obligation we shouldn't have to deal with, but we do. And so we, we need to know how to deal with it best. They're not going to go away. They're going to get worse. And I think the biggest thing, again, too, is it empowers your staff. Yes. It it, it You might be thinking of this from a client perspective, an owner perspective, a legal perspective. But just take a second and walk back and think about your CSRs who are just truly care about your clients, truly care about the patients, really want to make the best decision and may or may not feel empowered. And when they have an SOP to lean into and a, and a, a policy from the company that they know is going to back them up, good decisions are going to be made.
0: Right. And I think, too, our teams deserve our leadership and thoughtful leadership. So, I mean, like Becky said, that CSR on the front desk, they might not have thought about what to do, but they sure as heck recognize it when it happens. And so again, we're just just trying to equip them with tools and knowledge and a little bit of pre-planning so that when the inevitable occurs, at least they've got some play to call and they know at least where they're supposed to put the ball.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly I mean, that's exactly right. They know they know what their play is, regardless of what the other team does, they know their job, they know where they're moving with it. And honestly, You know, it is a thing that on a bigger level, it makes ripples. It creates a standard. Um, Getting in front of it educates the clients. It makes an expectation. It empowers everybody. And at the end of the day, the end of the day, the most important thing is the patient care. Right. It it leads back to that. And again, you know, when you're ready for these things ahead of time, when you have the legal backing, when you know the right thing to do, you're not trying to deal with it in the middle of the day, which is then going to lead to you going home and day (laughs) drinking because you're like, I need a glass of wine because my client came in drunk. I didn't know what to do. So, you know, we can stop this cycle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, viewfinders, we want to know how you're coping, how you're stopping this cycle. Have you thought about it? Do you have a, a some type of of you know plan in place? Do you have you know, you sat down with your team and said, hey, what do you do if this situation happens? Are you seeing this situation more commonly lately with all the coronavirus, or is this something that you think is really much to do about nothing? We really want to hear from you.
1: That's right. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram and Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: That's right, guys. Stay safe. Stay sober. Have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.
1: Bye. (laughs) Have you been day drinking?
0: No, I haven't, but I think (laughs) I need to. I think.